Welcome to season five of Faith in It with Kay. Look, it's been a while, right? You know, I'm super excited that you're joining me for season five. It's been a while since we've been together. Um, but season five, hopefully, um, will continue to give you more of the same kind of uh, heartwarming conversations. <laughs> um, so... We are starting season five, and I think, honestly, I think season five is like that that season of cross-generation kind of conversations. So we're talking to some baby, baby boomers, um, and we're having those conversations about um, really mental health. So we're starting off like just talking about mental health, because I, I missed Mental Health Awareness Month in May, um, but I still wanted to continue that conversation, because I, I, although the month is over... It's such an important uh, topic. It's such an important thing that uh, we need to continue uh, throughout the year. So we're talking. We're talking mental health, and I'm really excited about this season. I hope that you know it will continue to uh, inspire you, have you laugh. Um, it might make you angry a little bit, you know, or sad. Um, I think all those emotions, <laughs> emojis, you know, to a certain extent, uh, they're healthy, but the hope is to always get you to a point where after all of that, you still see God, you still um, are energized to go out and trust God and believe God for who it is that he's called you to be and what it is that he has in store for you. Uh, so I hope you're going to, you know, I hope you enjoy season five. And as always, if you have something to say, I want to hear it. Please go ahead and follow me at Kadeen Hillary. That's my personal page on Facebook and um, Instagram. You can follow all the podcast page at Faith in It with Kay on Instagram and Facebook as well. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're thinking. Um, like, subscribe, and follow wherever it is that you're listening, whatever platform that it is that you're listening to this podcast on. Please let me know what you're thinking about it and let uh, those who are, you know, part of those podcast those platforms know um, that this is a podcast worth listening to. Uh, so please, you you know, if this is something that you listen to and you believe in the content, please uh, help me with promoting um, and really kind of getting this information or these conversations out to other people. Because hopefully these are conversations that you're already having, but if you're not having them, these are conversations that I hope will inspire you to start having these conversations with your friends and with your family um, to really kind of get to like the wholeness of who you are and who God has called you to be. And then, you know, for you to just understand that no matter what it is that you're going through, you are not alone. Um, and there is somebody who has gone through it. And hopefully we'll have them on this podcast so you can hear that there is an end to whatever you're going through. Whatever you're going through has an end date. It cannot last forever. It will not last forever because God has already told us about his perfect plan for us and how everything, everything that he does is perfect. Everything that he does is for our good. Um, so no matter what you're going through right now, just know that God's perfect plan and will 
It's for you to succeed. It's for you to thrive. Thriving so much so that you'll be able to reach back and pull somebody else up with you and pull a tribe up with you. Um, Because honestly, there are people connected to your destiny. So whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, find that thing and walk in it. Walk in it fully. Walk in it scared. Um, Walk in it unsure. (laughs) Um, And just Walk in it prayerfully because no matter what emotion that you're going through, when you walk in it prayerfully, God is able to give you the strength that you need. He's able to give you the resolve that you need. He's able to allow you to see just how full you are, how full you are of everything that you need to accomplish every single vision that he's given you. So the next thing that you're going to hear is a new episode, right? You ready for that? Keep listening. I think the church is shifting as well because there was a moment in time where mental illness in the church was not a thing. You have a demon. You have a demon. Oh, you're stressed. Oh, you're feeling this. You're not praying enough. Go fast. Go, go. There's sin in your life. So it was always a response of spirituality or a lack thereof if you were dealing with a mental issue whether it be a demon or you are not living a life spiritually acceptable. So you weren't fasting, you weren't praying, you weren't tithing. So there was also always a spiritual kind of um, response for your mental illness. But the church is shifting a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, mental illness in the church, what it used to be, if you have any knowledge on that and then kind of where it's going now because like I think we've we've seen it where pastors have committed suicide because they're depressed um so what (laughs) so can you talk a little bit about that yeah so what you described um about the church many years ago in terms of the beliefs that mental illness was tied to um a demon or you know, not praying hard yeah. enough, and not, you know, that definitely um, was the thinking many years ago. And, um, but when churches came to realization that it's not, they still were in a state of voicelessness. Mm-hmm. They still were in a state of shame, uh, miseducation, and just general suffering and silence. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even recognizing that that there's a difference, the church still didn't address it. Um, but today, um, especially with the impact of COVID, COVID-19, yeah. um, churches and faith-based organizations are reaching out um, to broaden awareness, to create better connections for resources, um, and for some, becoming the resource. Yeah, um, um, the statistics are out there showing just what you said, a percentage of um, suicides in um, spiritual leaders. Yeah, uh, it's real. And it's because they've they've gone on for so long with the wrong information mm. and they were taught to just suffer in silence um, because otherwise you wouldn't be perfect. You wouldn't be Jesus. Um, you know, so all these just uh, misunderstandings and about mental illness um, just continue to just 
just linger for so long. Um, I remember uh, talking with someone recently about the Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. It was started in 1949. Wow. 1949. When you think of all the people of color who served in the military, yeah. World, World War II, um, and, and later, where was the outreach mm. for them? Well, we know where it was. Nothing was happening for our people until the 80s, late 70s, 80s, pretty much. But it's shameful when you when you look at it because we knew as a people that things weren't there for us. And so we we created it. We created the resources for ourselves in the churches back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. But why was it that we didn't choose to get resources for our loved ones who served in Vietnam yeah. and came back totally different from when they went. Um, that was an opportunity for us to do something better in our communities, but there's that shame. Mm. We can't acknowledge it. It's one of those things we just have to just, well, that's how it is. You know, yeah. that's yeah. how, that's how Bobby is. Bobby went through Vietnam. He came back not so well. Um, but I think now the generations are recognizing that we need to do better. And the yeah. church is turning back to being that resource, not yeah. just for mental health, but for all, all things, for injustice, for, uh, you know, addressing things as we did in the 60s. Um, it's taken a while, but we're, I believe we're getting there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I definitely see the churches like really stepping up. And I know for the church as a part of in New York and like we had a mental health um, clinician. Like so one of our members, like that's what she does. She she does counseling and therapy and she actually brought her business within the church um, in order and the church offered free or low um, or low um, cost therapy to members and anyone in the community who wanted to take advantage of it. Um, mm -hmm. And that for me was my first time, like as soon as like, you know, they offered it, I'm like, um, I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> Right. You know, like I need that, and and I think sometimes too part of the issue is even within the black community, it's always been seen as a rich man, um, a rich man, uh, resource. So yes. therapists yes. were for rich yep. white people, and if you were black who had it, you didn't talk about the fact that you had a therapist because it was inconceivable that there would be a black person talking about family business outside the house. So it was, you know, culturally, it was unheard of. And, and you know, right. for, like you said, and, and part of it is because so much of our culture has been developed by church, like the black culture, so much of it is just, it's been developed by church. So many of our belief systems, many of the things that, so we, we saw or believed were cultivated. I think culture has changed to where, you know, we're more swayed by culture now, um, but church to a certain extent, um, you know, early on 
dictated the culture um, to a certain degree. So the culture might have taken some biblical things and ran with it in their own direction, but they were biblically founded or um, or sound. Um, and I think, you know, like for for the churches, like a lot of them, like I said, you know, they offer therapy. Um, and that was like, I took advantage of it and I loved it. Um, and I think there are more things popping up. So it's like black girl therapy. Um, you know, there's a lower, um, low or free or low cost therapy popping up for people of color, just trying to bring that exposure. Um, because now we were educated in a space where we know like, okay, like that crazy aunt and uncle they were actually suffered from some kind of mental illness. Um, you know, that that aunt or that cousin that used to talk to themselves and mm-hmm. we were just like, oh, they're crazy. Like, right. you know, they were actually having some mental illness issues that needed to be dealt with. But for us, it was, that became normal. Like, that's just what happens to some of us. Some exactly. of us, you know, have those issues and some of us are just fine. Um, right. So, you know, like I think the church is definitely doing a better job. Like I've been to uh, mental health conversations within the church where they might have a mental health clinician. The church that I was a part of here did that, brought in mental health clinicians to have conversation with the congregation about mental health, even talking about such things as like, um, you know, now I've forgotten the name of it, but you know, during the winter, um, there, you can get depressed, um, during Mm -hmm. the winter simply because there's less sunlight. Um, so that, that there's a form of depression that comes out in that way because there's less sunlight and you feel closed in that you can actually feel depressed and like kind of taking a look at the sign, the signs of what you're doing and how it's like, Mm -hmm. just for the church, it's like, well, I just don't feel like going outside. (laughs) It's winter. It's cold. I don't want to go outside. Um, but it became a moment to be like, oh, it's more than that you don't want to go outside. That loss of vitamin C from the sun or, you know, like right now, you know, I'm looking outside, it's bright and sunny. And it does something within me to see the sun mm-hmm. bright and shining. Um, right. But, Seasonal. you know, yeah. It's sad. It's SAD, seasonal affect disorder. Yes, there it is. That's exactly what it is. But like mm-hmm. as a church, you know, we've never heard of that. So if right. you felt sad during the winter, you felt sad because you felt sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you weren't, you didn't know that there could be a mental, um, it's a mental health issue that was going on and that there are things that you need to do in order to help yourself during that time because it does leave you vulnerable um, in a way that can be, um can be lessened um so I, I do think the church is doing um you know a much better job um because i think the world is trying to make the church irrelevant um mm-hmm. but the church is still ever relevant um especially when it's speaking the truth especially when it's helping people especially when it's bringing forth knowledge that is truly saving lives um i think the we're always like, because I know when the racial tension arrives, I'm looking like, well, what is the church saying about this? <laughs> you know? Right. And, right. and people are always, they're, we're always looking like, okay, mental health, what is the church saying about this? Oh, this happened. What is the church saying? What is the pastor saying? 
how mm-hmm. you know how is a pastor because when it happened that's what I wanted to know what is my pastor saying about this how do they feel like how is how is God speaking to them in this moment and for me what some pastor said kind of opened up my eyes in a way that you know um was not healthy for like you know for who I saw them as um so Um. it, it did not bring shine like bright light on it it just you know oh wow it made me question you know a little bit more of who they are um right based on how they spoke or did not speak when people were hurting when issues were happening so unpopular or not it's in those moments we're always looking for what is the church is going to say about this what is god saying this moment yes we seek him for ourselves but we also want to know what does the especially if we belong to a local church we want to know what they're saying about it what is my church saying about it so like i i think you know like you said like mental <laughs> mental health is so important and it's so important especially in the church um and i think it's so good that we are we have evolved um mm-hmm. And like, like you said, we're we're more educated <laughs> than we were as a people, um, and definitely as as churches, we're becoming more aware of the issue of mental illness uh, within our communities, within our congregations. But there's still so much work to be done because yes. being aware of the issue, like you said, um, then what? <laughs> what is the actions and what are the things that we're going to put forth? Uh, to help our congregations or to help our pastors because not just the people sitting in the pews it's the pastor who's dealing with all these issues of everyone that's sitting in the pews as well exactly so but yeah you know I enjoy conversations like this (laughs) I enjoy um you know I so enjoy this conversation look uh I just want to make sure did I miss anything? Is there something that you want to elaborate on? Because you are the mental health um, expert in this conversation. So is there something that people should kind of be aware of? Um, is Are there resources out there that people should kind of, you know, take note of um, as it pertains to mental illness or during this um, time? There are several resources. Um but I wanted to, to, if I can, just make a, a quick point yes. um, about why therapy is important. Yes, um, yes. You know, we, we tend to look at therapy as the solution when there's a problem. Mm. But I see therapy as a solution for maintenance yes. of just mental well-being. We go to the physician for maintenance of our physical health. Why don't we go to a therapist for of our mental health? Mm, um, I love that. It it enhances um, our relationship with God as we, um, you know, if you look at some will say, well, should you just do prayer and fasting, or or do you just go to a therapist? Um, mm. And I, I see it's all the above. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, combining therapy with prayer and fasting, it, it, yes. it simply, it simply enhances one's relationship with God as you work together to, to uh, regain and maintain mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual alignment. Yes. So God, yes. God created all these things, these aspects of, of man, a woman, yes. <laughs> um, to, with the intent to create wholeness, wholeness, not individual parts working independently, yes. but, but wholeness. So therapy pulls together God's created parts to work in alignment with him as a whole, yes. as a W-H-O-L-E, whole. So there you have it. Mental yeah. health, ment I mean, therapy, I'm sorry, is important for, I think, everyone. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. Like, and as you said, like, it is all the above. And I think it's important for people to also know that there are so many, um, there are therapists who are, who are biblical, so they know the word. Um, and they, they, they do have that they're Christian. So, you, you know, if you feel comfortable going to someone who is Christian, um, that is available that those therapists are out there. So if you feel comfortable speaking with somebody of the same faith, that is available. If you are, and when I had th a therapist, she was not a Christian. Um, but I always like, I took like some psychology classes because I love psychology. I like, I, I love, you know, these kind of conversations. And when I looked at like, as they would talk about the different principles, to me, they're all biblical principles anyway. Um, I think a lot of psychology, they're biblical principles that are literally in the Bible. They just took out God, Christ. Um, they took those things out, but that those are all things that we can read in the Bible. We can gather from interactions with characters within the Bible or uh, I shouldn't say Absolutely. characters or people in the Bible people. or, sure. you know, the, the art of, you know, sowing and reaping or, you know, kinetic energy you know, sowing and reaping. So what you put out is what you're going to get that flow of energy, you know, that if you're putting out negative thoughts or if you're putting out those negative things into the atmosphere, then negative things are coming back. These are all things <laughs> that we read about in the Bible. Um, right, right. So no therapist is necessarily telling you anything that is, uh, does not have a biblical foundation and God's just not in it. Just like everything else you just sift through sift through with the word, you know, the word, use the word, um, to sift through those things. But I just feel like it is such an important conversation. Sometimes we're like, Oh, well we have, I can talk to my best friend. There are things that you, you cannot, you do not feel comfortable talking to your best friend, your husband, your wife, um, yeah. your mother, your father. There are things that do happen that you don't feel comfortable with talking with those, those, those individuals in your life with um, and a therapist just gives you a neutral ground to have those real hard conversations without judgment um, of how this thing might make the person look who you have to talk possibly negatively about. Um, they have no judgment <laughs> as it pertains no. to that person. So you can truly kind of talk about um, what you're feeling and then work through those feelings um, in a positive direction. So, you know, I agree. I think, you know, 
therapy, like all things, like there is nothing on this earth that God did not create. I think, you know, we're often like, well, no, God, every single thing on this earth is God given, God created. Like everything, like if somebody had the intellect to create it, where did they get it from? They had to get it from the creator. Now, people use things for bad, you know, in a negative way. Um, that's their prerogatives. You know, we have choice. We have a choice. But at the end of the day, that wisdom to know is God-given. Like, exactly. the creation can never be smarter than the creator. So everything, the therapist <laughs> is here for our benefit. Um this is a broken world. God sees that we needed it because let's be honest. Sometimes we don't have those hard conversations with God, like we should. Um, and, you know, just like everything else, he's created uh, people and outlets for us to kind of, like you said, become whole um, mm -hmm. because the yeah. whole, this journey is not about being perfect. Um, it's about being whole because there was a time. When people are like, oh, I want to be perfect like Christ. And it's like, no, it's overrated. No, <laughs> you just want to be whole. You want yes. to be whole, fully who God called you and created you to be whole mm -hmm. in a way that you're able to pour out uh, to others in a way that's going to uplift their lives and um, add instead of subtract um, right. from them. So, you know, I love I love that you said that whole the goal is wholeness wholeness yep. you you had asked about resources and i didn't answer that question and um, yes please share so i consider myself as a resource that's one yes, um one of the things that i do that i did not mention is that i'm trained to provide spiritual integration in my therapy mm -mm. Um, very important for those that feel the need to, to reach their wholeness um, with someone who understands God's intent to wholeness. Yeah. Um, so I'm a resource with that. Um, but there are a few um, in our local community as well as the national. So I'll give you two local. Uh, one is the NAMI Delaware. Each state has one. NAMI, that's N-A-M-I, stands for the National Alliance on Mental Health. And there's the Mental Health Association in Delaware. And then there's the National Council for Behavioral Health, um, which looks at more uh, national perspective and statistics. Um, so there are many more resources. Um, yeah. But you'll know if you, if you Google mental health, you will be bombarded. Yes. Um, but there is a wonderful program that I believe all the states have as well. And it's called the Mental Health First Aid. So this is a training program designed for anyone in the community to be able to um, assess, to be able to respond to any type of mental health uh, situations or issues with their, their families, uh, their children, um, anybody in their churches, just whoever's in their circle, this helps them to be more equipped to understand and become a, a resource or referral if need be. 
Um, but again, that's that's the mental health first aid um, training program. Awesome. Awesome. See? And, you know, as she said, she's also a resource. So we're going to make sure that we put her information in the show notes so you can reach out to her um, and pick her brain about, you know, the questions that you may not have gotten answered during this episode um, that she can kind of help you. Because like I said, you know, she's about to do her own practice. So who knows, you know, maybe that's a service that she can offer to you as well. Um, So can you tell us, we're getting down to the wire. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us um, if 12 year old Lynn was here right now, (laughs) And she was standing right in front of you. Actually, I think I'm going to switch this question. Um, if 12-year-old Lynn was here right now, what do you think she would say to you? <laughs> well, hmm. What would she say to you? Say to me. These people keep calling me. My friends keep calling me, sending me notes, pull me aside at the locker. (laughs) What do I do? Do I just keep listening? Or do I just shut them down? And the adult Lynn (laughs) would probably respond. Um, I I would say keep up the good work, young lady, and you will see and learn the why in the years to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was what was twelve year old Lynn like? Like like what was she like, and how is she different? You know, um, how is she different from Lynn now? Like. How how is she different? Like, did did twelve year old Lynn see? You know, I don't ever want to put anybody's spot with their age, but see you at your age now. Like, would she believe? Would she believe that you are who you are? Is that what yeah, she, she envisioned? Would, she wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> she wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I was told stories um, about how I was at the age of three. Mm. And unbelievable. Um, three behaving as a seven year old, <laughs> seven year old behaving as a 16 year old. Mm. So I was always what people would, the old folks would say, she's an old soul. Yeah. I was an old soul at 12. At 12, I was way ahead of the game. Um, again, because of the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. You know, I was able to see um, trials as opportunities. Yeah. And I know that that sounds, you know, like, you know, you probably want to say, yeah, right, really at 12. But yes, I was an old soul. Um, I was already equipped by then with how to deal with death, how to deal with sadness. how to just embrace people and, and love on them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I later I realized that 
all the people that were told don't hang around them, stay away from them, you know, she's bad, she's yes. not, you know, all those things that, that I was taught, I still acted with caution, but I loved on them. Mm-hmm. I loved on every single one of them. Um, and as I got older, I realized the why. The why was because there by the grace of God, there goes I, Mm. there I am. I could have been in their shoes. Um, And so God was showing me then how to use compassion with caution. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So makes sense. Totally wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, because, you know, I think many of us can relate <laughs> to being told to stay away from a certain person or certain person <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or people because of their actions. And, you know, older generation, it wasn't so much of intervention sometimes as it was um, uh, how to protect their own mm-hmm. right own oh, walking absolutely. down the same road that you know which yes. you know sadly mm-hmm. it's it's so crazy you know look in hindsight looking back it's like you know to an extent you were that child who said I see them um and you know that is possible that who you're saying they are is who they can walk down the road and be but you were like I'm still going to show them love and compassion I, and I think sometimes that's what's missing with adults um, mm-hmm. is in those moments where your actions truly can change a person's direction and yeah. where they go. Because if you see them going down the wrong road, it might take some work, but it's okay to go ahead and intervene and fight on their behalf to make sure that course correction happens. Um, you know, you, you don't have to say, well I'm just going to protect my child like stay away from her or stay away Mm -hmm. from him he's no good (laughs) you know so I think you know that's awesome that you were able to hear the warning um, and heed it to a certain extent but not in a way that you alienated the person um, that might have been walking down that road Um, so I think that's you know that's truly awesome can you um one of the things I like to say is I think sometimes because, um, you know, I think about 12 and, you know, even biblically 12, um, 12 is, well, I don't know if this is actual biblical. Um, I just remember growing up hearing that once you turn uh, 12, you are, um, what is that old saying? You are responsible for your own sin. Um, mm-hmm. So it is mm-hmm. the the quote unquote precipice of becoming in a, into your teenage or uh, for some right. adulthood. Um, exactly. So by that age, there is so much that has formed. There is so much of your personality of who you are, your experiences, your traumas um, that has kind of taken, you know, your personality is taken shape from. So one of the questions that I always like to, um, you know, to ask is uh, for some people, they are still in that 12-year-old state, so they might be 30, 40, 50, but so much trauma happened that they're still stuck at 12. Um, so can you just take a moment 
to speak to the 12 year old in every listener? Um, I think that's a, that's kind of a tough age. A lot of people tend to think that 16 is a tough age, but I think it's 12 because you're, you're right at that point of physical changes. Yeah. You know, the, the hormones are kicking in. Um, yeah. You are trying to develop your own identity. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things are coming at you. And I, I, I think because it's so confusing, that's a better word. Mm. Um, I just simply say live. Mm. Never lose sight of who and what brings you joy. Mm. So in other words, as you're developing who you are, as you're working through all these changes, emotional, physical, just know without a doubt who in your circle brings you joy. It may not be... It may not be joy at home. Yeah. It may have to be, it may be a teacher. It may be someone at your church. It may be a neighbor. It doesn't matter. Just who brings you joy and what brings you joy? Mm. What is the one thing that you do that's legal <laughs> <laughs> that brings a smile on your face that you just can't wait to get to um, that you just rush to, to, to get through your homework and your chores to get to that's mm-hmm. what brings you joy and if you maintain your focus on those two things you will get to 13 yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you'll do it again Continue, yeah. even in, through in and through adulthood, never lose sight of who you are and who and what brings you joy. Mm. Yeah, because the world could take that sight away from you if you let it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Um, Yeah. Never stop thanking God mm-hmm. and loving your family and friends. Mm. No matter how many times they just pluck your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Never stop loving your family and friends. And most of all, never stop thanking God because we have something to thank God for every single day. Yeah. And that's all he wants us to do. Thank yeah. him and love one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I have one last question for you. Can you tell us what your fi- favorite Bible verse is? I cannot tell you what my favorite Bible verse is, but I can tell you what my two favorite Bible verses are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, we'll I can never that. T- I can't separate the two. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So um, the first is Psalm 139, 14. Mm. I yeah. praise you 
because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Mm -hmm. So this scripture became a permanent staple in my life when I uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I'm sure you know that it changes your look in many different ways. Yeah. Um, even changes you emotionally sometimes. Um, but I had to remind myself through the scripture that it doesn't matter how I look. It yeah. doesn't even matter how I feel. I'm yeah. still beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. Yes. Um, and yes. So the second, the second scripture, I like the um, New Living Translation. That's a little simpler. It's Romans 8. Romans 8, 38. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Mm. No matter what's wrong in your life, don't worry. God got you, baby. Yes, those are good. Yes. Like they speak to who you are and who God is in your life. So yes, those are good scriptures. I love it. I love it. Well, mm -hmm. thank thank you so much for thank you. you know spending this time with us because I'm I'm pretty sure at this point it might be a two-parter. <laughs> episode <laughs> um but you know thank you for your time your wisdom um i know that this is going to help so many people whether you know it is start a conversation get confirmation on maybe something that they've been thinking and hopefully to the point where whether they reach out to you or someone else um who is able to help them navigate whatever um, maybe going on in their lives um, during this time, because I know we all have something going on. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Katie, for having me. So I hope you enjoyed part two of my conversation with Queen Lynn. And she just kind of <laughs> set us all right, right? From her voice uh, to the wisdom that she has. Um, it was just well needed. So I hope that you've gotten what you needed from part one and now part two, her wisdom and just the grace in which she <laughs> drops her wisdom, of course, is an added bonus. So I just wanted to reiterate one of the scriptures that she shared. I think both of them were excellent scriptures. Um, but what resonated the most was uh, Romans 8. 38 and th this is a new living translation translation version and it says and i am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from god's love neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the power of hell can separate us from god's love and verse 39 says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Like, and I just thought that was just such a powerful scripture to 
to share because I think sometimes we forget just how fast, just how wide, just how freely given God's love for us is. Uh, We often take for granted that literally nothing that we can do, nothing that can be done outside of our even our own power can can take us to a place where we can't feel God's love. It is so readily available. Um, And I also want to read uh, the Passion Translation as well. Um, The Passion Translation says, So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. So I just want you to be encouraged, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. Oh, and Lord, I know (laughs) in this moment for some of us, it's been a season of testing and trials and tribulations. So sometimes you don't, it's easy to not feel the love of God, to not feel like God is truly with us, to not feel like he is truly fighting for us. But this scripture is such an awesome reminder that his love is not based on feelings. (laughs) His love is not based on what we see. His love is is so intense. It's so intent um, that it's based on what we know to be true, right? What we know to be true because his word says so. What we know to be true because we've been brought out of situations that no one could have brought us out of but God. So I just want you to be encouraged and just to be remembered today that God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an intense and intentional love that nothing, nothing, nothing you can do, nothing you can say will rip you away from him. He's always calling back (laughs) to you, right? So just be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, brah, sis, God's got you. He has you in the very palm of his hands. He's got you. You do not have to worry about whatever is going on, whatever is threatening your peace. I command it right now to be still. I command it right now to come under the subjection and submissions of God's power, of his will, and of his plan, and of his purpose. Because we know that only God's will, only his plans will prevail in our lives because we are children of the Most High God. So be encouraged today. And I'm so glad, you know, that you are here for part two. I pray that you will go back and listen to part one because this is this is a conversation that you need to hear in full if you can't sit in one setting because, you know, it's a little bit long. Um, make sure you check out part one. Um, it's worth the listen. Until next time, 
See ya. <laughs>